Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And And you're you're about about to get get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 193 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood episodes 43 through 45, where Envy is secretly just a slug, Greed remembers what he'd forgotten, and Al talks about the future with his dad. He's just gonna go off into the sunset with his dad, riding on his shoulders, one normal-sized man with one giant suit of armor sitting on his shoulders. Yeah. Can't you just see it on the Hallmark card now? It's beautiful. Anyways. Let's jump in. It does make me think a little bit of the ending of the Hunter x Hunter anime, which was very good despite the like 60 episodes of nonsense that we had to get through to get there. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, uh, well, hey, um, I'm going to see Multiverse of Madness on Friday. <laughs> I probably will see it early next week if I were a betting man, because I'm not going to have rehearsal finally because our show will have opened and I'm going to try and drag my husband there. Well, uh, I'm going to I'm going to send Blake text messages play by place throughout the movie um, that are uh, cryptically incorrect about the movie. (laughs) Spoilers Um, only. That's what spoilers only. (laughs) I'll go into the movie and be like, I have approximate knowledge of many things. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, do you have any do you have any anime news of the week, Blake? There's um, there's a new Pokemon uh, limited anime coming called uh, Hisuian Snow. Um, they've done this uh, actually quite a lot recently. They had I think they called one of them was Mass or it was Legends. No, Masters is their their mobile game. One of them was Gener- Generations. They've done uh, a couple of sort of highly produced sort of like movie quality anime shorts um, in the last few years or, or series of shorts. And uh, they're, they're usually pretty fun. Um, I would say they're often pretty focused on like cute little moments of world building. They have some cool stuff. Like there's one that includes a fight between Leon and Rayhan from the most recent Pokemon generation. And, uh, it's got some really good battle animation in it. So like there's there's really fun little nuggets. Um, it's probably a a good thing for either po- people who are big Pokemon fans in general or for people who are um, like who have like kids that are, are gonna think that the Pokemon are interesting. Uh, I would say that the world building is probably connected strongly enough to the game regions that if you are not watching the anime or playing the games, it's it's probably not going to work for you. That said, Hisuian Snow, it, it sounds like it's going to be a three-episode miniseries with a story arc to it, as opposed to a sort of anthology series like the others have been. Um, so that's coming out, uh, I believe it comes out in like a week. So that's coming up soon. I don't have an, I hmm. don't have an, uh, an article for that, but I... Listen to it's super effective ever since we did the crossover episode with SBJ and um, they were talking about it on there and I was like, Hey, I should mention this. So here we are. Yeah. Um, what's this other thing about Cone Geass? Uh, that we talked about that last time. Uh, there's a new Code Geass show coming out and there is a mobile game that's coming along with it. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> All right. I really want to Man, rewatch Code Geass because I, I enjoyed it when I watched it in college. But uh, Am I the only time. one that wasn't blown away by that show? No, you're not. But I think it's a... I, I, my understanding is that the anime community sort of writ large finds Code Geass to be one of those medium hits where like a lot of people have seen it and a lot of people have enjoyed it. And as with any sort of like big anime, there are plenty of people who are like, nah, this wasn't for me. And I think that Code Geass has a, a pretty healthy group of naysayers, but is not a big enough name to have like major flame wars outside of, I don't know, the super fandom or something. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I, I feel like, I feel like I've been told to watch that show probably 800 times by different anime YouTubers and people that watch anime that I know. Well, and it's I'm good. just like, so every time I try it, I'm just like, it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't do anything for me. Uh, so, I like, uh, you know, it's got the sort of, uh, and again, I haven't watched it since college, uh, and I do remember that there's like a, what is it, like a 26-episode first season and a 26-episode second season or something, and I remember losing a lot of interest. I felt like the uh, first season was pretty tight, and the second season introduced a lot of things that were very different in their vibe than the first season. Um, and then I, I lost a lot of interest. I still enjoyed it, but I, I didn't like gobble it up like I did the first season. Um, but yeah, I, re- I remember very fondly that it's, you know, it's got these sort of like mech battles, um, you know, international politics kind of vibe of a Gundam series. As I've said on this show several times, I mistakenly understood that it was a Gundam series. Uh, it turns out that it's not, but it does have that kind of like, uh, that battles in the name of politics kind of vibe. It has that politicking that comes with those things. And it, um, it's got a good uh, like cat and mouse outsmarting aspect to it. So if you're, if you're into that kind of stuff, like from death note, it's got a lot of good sort of bits and pieces that come together in an interesting whole so I, I personally really liked it, even though I understand that like it does lose a lot of steam in the second half for me. Anyways, uh, let's talk about what happened in our show this week, because yeah. uh, man, oh man, these episodes are fantastic. So, um, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. <laughs> it's getting so hard to summarize this show. You know what? It's been a while, Spencer. Do you want to take a crack at it? Oh, man. I don't know if I have a jokey way to talk about this one. <laughs> well, you're just so generally bad at it that it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, Ed and Al, um, they wanted uh, they wanted their mom back to life because she died of... Um, I don't know some disease. I don't think they ever tell us what she died. Yeah, of. it's just a, it's just she gets like she I got the it, black lung pop. Um, I think she so. was specifically sick with a disease that was sweeping through the country. It was some sort of uh, pandemic or something epidemic. Yeah, maybe let's let's assume it was like Spanish flu. Um, so she got sick with that. She died, and uh, that sucked. Um, and then, uh, what else happened? Um, well, Ed and Al, uh, went to become alchemists. Ed became an alchemist. 
and Al is also there, and he's in this big giant suit of armor. Um, so much shit has happened though inside of the show, man. How how do you do this? Um, it, it's really hard. It, even Naruto has gotten tough, and it, Full Metal Alchemist is much more complicated. There's a whole bunch of homunculuses, uh, homunculi, mini yeah. homunculus. Um, they're they are uh, manifestations of the different parts of a human soul, namely the soul of a slave that we find out from an old place called Xerxes. And, uh, and yeah, he, he accidentally, well, not accidentally. He was, he was talked into uh, destroying an entire country so that he, and this homunculus that was held inside of a flask could gain immortality. Um, and then that homunculus made more homunculus. And uh, the slave who was re- given a name of Hohenheim, um, I guess he just fucked off to wander around the earth. <laughs> yeah. Um, Had some kids. He was basically like, yeah, he was like, basically, you have immortality. Do with it what you will. And he was just like, you know what I'm going to do? nothing i guess <laughs> just wander around the planet um and yeah uh they're trying to these homunculus are trying to do the same thing that they did before except for in a much later age um and so the city that's at the center um of all of this is like um where our main characters are i don't know what I can't remember the name of the city off the top of my head. This has gone um, great. Keep doing it. Oh my god, I'm so mad at you right now for making me do this. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, uh, they they are trying to uh, stop the city from being being destroyed as well as these other parts of the country so that they can create another Philosopher's Stone thing. Um, I think that's all really that happened with them and then Ed and Al um, are trying to stop them. And so uh, last we saw Ed, he was impaled by a giant pole when he was knocked down into a mine shaft. Um, And last we saw Al, he was running around with uh, a bunch of people, including Scar, their older enemy. And, um, and they're trying to prevent this, big giant circle from going off. And the way that they could do that is they're, um, they figured out how to create a counter alchemic circle. Um, and so they're going to try to figure out where the best place to use that would be. I think that's, that's about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot of characters that we're going to be talking about today that did not appear there, but boy, it's hard to summarize the show. We'll just get to it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, our first episode is called bite of the ant. Um, and, uh, this episode gives us one of like one of the sweetest fight sequences out of these episodes. And that is to say that there is a better fight sequence that is also inside of these episodes. So yeah. And also it's interesting because it's like, it's a pretty quick fight. Like when you think about 
usually when I think about great fights, you know, you think about Naruto Sasuke, you think about Deku versus Bakugo, you, you think about all these like big sort of tentpole moments that are these, you know, huge slugfests back and forth. And uh, this is a fight, but it's pretty quick, all things considered. But it, yeah, it's real good. So first of all, when we last left off, there was an invading army coming down from the north trying to breach a stronghold in the northern edge of the country where all of our heroes are, are doing their stuff. And uh, this seemed like it was going to be a big deal. And at the start of episode 43, they have all lost. <laughs> They've just been completely fucking crushed. And the like leader is standing there being like, but I thought that they said that we would be able to win. And then like a shell comes from the sky and explodes on him and his hat floats down and you're like well that did not work but you might recall that part of the reason that this battle was happening is uh that they were trying to create a blood crest which is essentially uh make a big atrocity where lots of people die and uh, the the sort of blood of their deaths i don't know if literally their blood or if just sort of like the fact that a bunch of di people died in that one area in a sort of like the blood of their deaths <laughs> yeah i don't know if it's like literally like the blood seeping into the ground that does it or if it is a more metaphorical like many people died here in an atrocity but uh we I, if you're like me you expected that the drachman military uh attacking briggs fortress was going to be an attempt at creating a blood seal by killing the people of Briggs Fortress. And it was actually Uno reverse card. We're going to get killed instead. And the Drachman military is like wiped out completely. Yeah, the, things did not go as planned for the Drachman military, mostly because they decided to listen to a sociopath who led them into death. Yeah, uh, people should stop doing that uh, in real life also. Yeah, don't listen to sociopaths. Stop um, anyways, for them. Anyway. Any, yeah, so, okay. So, um, uh, Alphonse's group is going to, they're going to be stopping inside of this encampment of, uh, oh man, I can't remember off the top of my head. Why can't I the name of, uh, they're, they're uh, where are they from? What are you talking about? The Ishvalans? Yeah, Ishval. The the they're in an encampment of Ishvalans. Um and these Ishvalans um, um they've Ishvalan on hard times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyways. Um so they're hanging on the Ishvalan camp and it's it's snowy and they're just like, oh, "Okay, well we we should make sure that we are are doing all right out here." Um, and then one of the people that they had picked up, one of the, uh, the people that had like their body spliced with, um, uh, I don't know if we talked about it inside the previously on from this, but they had it, their body spliced with, man, I can't remember what he had his body spliced with. Um, are you talking about chimeras? No, I know what he's a chimera, but I don't remember what he's a chimera of. He's a human and something else. I can't remember. Puffer um, fish. The guy who seems to be giving them away to. Um, is it puffer fish? No, I think puffer fish is the fat guy. The other guy. Um, 
but crocodile. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so he <laughs> he um, is going to seemingly be giving them away to envy. Um, and envy, envy has like dressed himself up as an Ishvalan or dressed himself up. He, he has converted himself into an Ishvalan because like, that's his power. He can change his form at will. Um, this ruse is a ruse for about no seconds. It's like, <laughs> it's like him, he immediately walks up and they're just like, that's envy. And he's just like, yeah, it's envy. Nobody figured it out. And then he was just like, well, I was, uh, I was actually tricking you because what we're trying to do is get you over here so that we can make you step on these landmines filled with alchemy. And he's like, that's not how alchemy works, but the, the landmines still go, keep on going off. So envy then turns himself into the giant form of envy, his like true self, um, which if you've forgotten what that looks like, um, imagine a lizard monster from your nightmares full of people and made of people and Mm. also ghosts and other monsters. And that's what that is, except for gigantic. Um, It is going to... uh, uh, it is going to pick up. Oh God! What is his stupid name? Um, Marco. What is his name? Marco. Um, Professor Marco. Um, and Marco is going to have a a little bit of an existential moment where he's just like, um, "Yeah, I I create kind of created this whole thing to move forward in the first place. What I'm doing is terrible." Um, and uh, he seems to be kind of collapsing in on himself. But what he's really doing, it, it turns out, is he's trying to get Envy to bring him close enough to his face so that he can activate um, this circle that he has drawn. <laughs> You've activated hand. my trap card. Yeah. So this, this tool that he is, or this, uh, this circle that he has drawn on his hand it has the ability to reverse a philosopher's stone, and yeah, that... he basically Marco was somewhat conscripted into researching philosopher's stones, and uh, he's real sad about that. I think he actually tried to take his own life not that long ago, and because when you make a philosopher's stone, you have to do a lot of bad stuff, and he does not feel good about the bad stuff he did. But yeah, he basically is like, hey, the cool thing about having learned how to make a Philosopher's Stone is that I learned how to unmake them, too. And I'm going to go ahead and do that on your face. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so he does that and his entire body just like turns into like melty goo um, and Ugh, it turns and Spencer. the most the most horrifying moment of it is when he's just changing form from like a giant tug that is trying to grab Marco and slowly turns into the envy that we know. And then from that, he spits out this weird little slug monster. And it turns out that's envy's true form without a philosopher's stone. It is creepy nightmare fuel when the uh, most common way that envy looks, I guess the base form of envy is sort of like, 
slithering out of the desiccated body of giant monster envy. It's just, it's so creepy and it's really well drawn. Uh, and then, yeah, it turns into a little slug. And I have a question for you, Spencer. Um, I was under the impression based off of largely what happened when Mustang kills lust and he basically has to kill her over and over again until the philosopher's stone runs out of extra lives and then it breaks and then she's dead. Um, I figured that the philosopher's stone was their life force and that by Marco reversing the philosopher's stone out of existence, that Envy would die, but instead Envy is just reduced to a powerless state, but is still alive. And it's actually not that depowered. I mean, we see uh, Envy can bite you and has little needle sharp teeth. And in biting you can also uh, at least partly control your movements. And uh, I was really surprised by this. I expected that Marco killed Envy here, but instead Envy just is still around. So what's the deal with that? So I'm I'm pretty sure that the the big thing that is happening here is that one is a death and the other is a alchemical reaction um that changes a philosopher's stone to basically an inert state. So uh. so what he is doing is he is reversing the power of the philosopher's stone um okay. and depowering it. Which so you're saying depowers envy? Okay, um, so instead of Mustang breaking the stone over and over again until it can't reform, sort of essentially, this he's just saying like all the superpowers that a philosopher's stone is are no more, and the philosopher's stone is just enough to keep you alive and nothing more than that. Yeah, and he is uh, just he is just a a homunculus soul bound to this body, his original body and form without yeah. any powers, which is okay. this little slug monster. Um, and uh, he's awful. Um, and also so a cool cosplay idea, just go as your normal self, but get like a little envy and attach it to your finger. And you could just cosplay as somebody being controlled by envy. And there you go. That's for free. Nailed it. Nailed it. Anyways, yeah. Um, there's also a there's also a hilarious moment where <laughs> that stupid guy that they're with, he's like, "I'm gonna yeah. control him," and they're just like, "We don't like him, anyways." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Help! Envy is controlling my body," and they're like, "Okay, whatever." And he's like, "No, no, this is bad. Like, what if what he's gonna try to get me to kill myself or something? I don't know." And they're like, okay, I mean, none of us like you, so do what you want. <laughs> yeah. And the only reason Envy doesn't keep doing anything is because Envy doesn't have leverage there, and that's really what he wanted. He's like, fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, then we're going to cut to a couple of things happening. So oh, yeah. first, Scar is going to tell May that she needs to take this Envy that is the remnant of a immortal being back home and maybe it will uh, gain curry with their emperor. The second thing that is going to happen is that we have this little side quest with Beto. Um, Beto is Beto a, is a lizard chimera man. Yeah, and he was friends with Greed, and he is the last of Greed's chimera friends that he was running around with. 
The um, last of the Mogridkins. Yeah, he is going to see them talk about uh <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna try to go figure out um more information about what happened to his friend Greed. Um and he is going to see these these officers of the military and uh he's going to uh get underneath their car and ride uh with them back to wherever they're going so maybe he can find out some more information. And at the end of this episode, they uh, we find out that Olivier or, or Olivier Oli, Olivier Olivier man Olivier just doesn't sound like a name that it should be her name, but whatever is that um, okay? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, you can call her Armstrong, but the other Armstrong is going to show up in these episodes, so it's going to get confusing. Yeah, she is going to be introduced. To one of the most horrifying things in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which is that the reason why they tell people to not mess around with humans, creating humans, at least with humans without souls, is because they are doing that. And they are creating a big giant army so they confuse these souls to these um, mindless automaton monster zombie things and create a unstoppable army that is, it's just an immortal army. Yeah. It's just horrific. And Uh, monopolies are bad Spencer. So this is actually, um, this is actually some market manipulation here. And I do think that Elizabeth Warren is going to have something to say about it. Anyways. uh, (laughs) So she's got a plan for that. (laughs) The last thing, that happens is that Al's group is going to arrive at Lior and they see Hohenheim and Rose. That takes us yeah. into episode 44 revving at full throttle. Um, Good God. The taking the notes for these episodes, just, just the stuff that happens in these episodes. I was like, there's so much going on mm-hmm. and then trying to do a previously on, is just like fucking impossible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so let's talk about there's, there's four storylines that happen inside of this episode, which is just, crazy. yeah, uh, first and foremost, there is going to be the Alphonse storyline. The okay. Alphonse storyline is a a hangout storyline between Alphonse and his dad, who are putting Lior back together. Um, yeah, Alphonse is going to feel bad about the fact that he and Ed were basically one of the reasons why Lior fell in the first place. Um, but the reason that Lior really fell in the first place is because they were being swindled by a, um, a, a guy named Leto, um, who was a false prophet of a false God. And he was really just using alchemy to control these people and their religious beliefs. Yeah. They showed up and revealed that he had been lying to them. And then they revolted and that revolt was a big deal and has caused some challenges for them as a people. And so he's like, man, I feel bad for doing that. But in truth, like they just, they stopped people from being taken advantage of and it it led to hard times. And if they hadn't told them that thing, it it wouldn't have led to those hard times, but maybe the hard times were kind of worth it. And so, yeah, it's like one of those things where you're like, yeah, I get why you feel bad about this, but it was, it was really for the best and it's kind of not your fault. Um, mm. Hohenheim is also going to tell Al his story about how, like, he yeah. was a slave a long time ago and accidentally helped a by the way, jar they creature do this, become immortal. They do this off screen, and then when they yeah. cut, 
when they cut back to it, Al is just like, uh, and Hohenheim is just like, it's a lot to take in. And he's just like, yeah, fucking yeah. crazy. And well, I'm just like, yeah, this is, it's actually kind of an anime trope where you like cut away from the explanation and then you just cut to the character who has had it explained repeating back some set of key information so that we all understand that they just got the whole story. Uh, and I usually think that it's a little silly because it just happens so much, but here it makes a lot of sense because there was a whole episode and I was like, this is complicated. Yeah. Okay. Um, so also Al has an interesting question where he's like, Hey, so you are kind of a human philosopher stone instead oh, yeah. of a regular human. Like you had started out as, and you are our biological father. So does that mean we are not people either? And Hohenheim is like, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> he also, um, he's also like this homunculus is in uh, the middle of the capital city. And he's just like, oh yeah. And he's like, we need to destroy his, uh, his body in order to defeat him. But the way that he explains his body is that he is a leather bag created from my form. And I was just like, Ugh. there is a not grosser way of telling people that that is how you're made. Um, you know, Spencer, at the end of the day, aren't we all just leather bags yeah. rolling around? Yeah. Okay. Full of juice. He, meanwhile, um, the least important uh, storyline that is happening um, <laughs> is is going to be... Um, Ed's storyline. I'm I'm yeah. convinced it's the least important, but it's least also the silliest. Probably most fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Actually, the the fight sequence between the Armstrongs is also fantastic. Anyways, um Yeah. The the first thing that is going to happen though is that Darius, he is the gorilla chimera. Um, he is going to go to uh the bank where they have uh Ed's some of Ed's money and they're going to withdraw a bunch of it so that they can pay these doctors that are treating Ed. My favorite part about this is that when they go into the bank, the name of the bank is banks bank. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> I was like, that can't please, please tell me that they changed they changed that, and it wasn't just written as Banks Bank, because that is ridiculous. Gorgeous. Like, anyways. Um, so, Ed is then going to beat the hell out of all of these uh, uh, obvious soldiers that are going to come after them, because when you do a transaction in a bank that is controlled by the military, and you are somebody on the run from the military, they are probably going to immediately tell their higher-ups that you've taken the money out, or trying to take the money out, which is the craziest part about this. It's like, what I've seen enough movies where they're just like, let me call my manager. And then a whole bunch of people with guns are supposed to come out. That's what I expected to happen. Yeah. But instead, they let Darius just, they were like, here's all your money, sir. Um, and he was just like, thanks. And then they followed him back to um, where they think that he was going. And they go into this doctor's office and uh, man, the, the dumbest sequence of uh, man. Okay. So these police officer, army officer guys show up at the doctor's door. The doctor is like, Oh, do you need a physicals? Like that's going to turn them away. And they're like, yeah. no, we're looking for somebody. 
And when they look in, there's one guy who does not match, match the description of anybody that they're looking for. Um, and they're like, is this your only patient? And instead of saying yes, yeah. <laughs> he says, no, I have one other patient. He's resting in the back. So obviously they're going to go look at said other patient who happens to look exactly like the person that made the withdrawal from the bank. So I'm yeah. like, what? <laughs> yeah, because the, the thing to know here is that um, Ed was partnered. Oh, God. There's so much backstory. So the leader of their country is a secret bad guy who has revealed his secret bad guyness to Ed and Al, who have revealed that they've been working against him, and he has revealed that he will kill their friends if they keep working against him, but that they can keep doing other shit in the meantime because he's just cool like that. And then Ed was assigned to a unit to go do some stuff for the bad ruler with one of his acolytes, and Ed betrayed the acolyte which led to the fight that got him injured in the first place. So he is presumably wanted by the military for potential, I don't know, treason. So, you know, he's, he's trying not to be found. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the doctor did not get the memo. I don't know. <laughs> he's just yeah. like, yeah, he's just this way. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't look in the back, but look in the back <laughs> if you need to. <laughs> it's just... so weird. So anyway, it leads to this really delightful chase sequence in which Ed and his two companions are trying to get away in a car and they're being pursued by the uh, military people in a car. And then Ed's like, I have an idea. Turn, Make a turn up here and we'll lose them. Uh, or make a turn up here and park as soon as you can. And they do that and then the other people drive by a goofy-ass looking, very out-of-place car. But... Very importantly, one that does not look like the one that Ed was in just moments ago because Ed used his alchemy to change the car into this like goofy, like Hot Wheels-esque kind of vehicle. And they're the other not Hot Wheels-esque, Blake. That is a straight up Hot Wheel. Yeah, but, you know, big enough to be an actual car. And, And he's like... The guy that's driving is like, can you put my car back to normal? And Ed's like, fuck you. This is cool. <laughs> Ed, as we often forget, is like 15, maybe. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, he's just like, you might think it's stupid, but you're yeah. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so good. That's like all that. I don't even think Ed shows up in the next. Oh, no, he does. Yeah, but he's not. He, yeah, he's that's him for this episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, what else happens? Oh, yeah, the best storyline inside of the episodes, uh-huh. um, which is that the Armstrongs, um, first and foremost, can we talk about old man Wait, Armstrong? Wait, no, that's, that's, uh, that's the next episode. This is, is still in 44, is uh, when Beto, the lizard man, follows the military people down into the underground where Olivier is finding out about the immortal army. Uh, which specifically, they're like, she's like, well, how do you power the immortal humanoid forms? And he's like, oh, we take souls from people that we don't like, <laughs> basically, and we put them in here. And it's just so fucked up all the way around. And Beto is like, I should tell somebody. And then Ling shows up, who, if you remember, 
recently allowed himself to become the host body for Greed. So Ling is now Greed the homunculus. And Greed is the person that Beto used to work for. And Ling Greed shows that he has Greed's powers. And Beto is like, you're Greed. We're best friends. And Ling is like, I don't remember you. And Beto's like, you have to remember me. And then Ling is like, I do remember you. And Beto's like, for real? And he's like, no. And now I'm going to stab you through the chest and you're going to die. And then he does that. And then Ling is like, no, you're killing people that were your friends and I want my body back. And then Greed starts to also remember that he was his friend, which is really bad timing, but also relevant because when Father remade Greed in Ling's body, he was supposedly getting rid of all the memories that Greed had from his first time around. And so that didn't work for some reason, but also Ling wants to take control back but also greed keeps control because his memories came back and now he's mad so then he goes to Fuhrer King Bradley's house and wants to kill him and that's how episode 44 ends yeah and that goes into episode 45 the promised day so the fight between greed and Bradley is the best animated and coolest fight inside of these episodes it is so fucking cool and so fast um, and it ends with what looks like uh, uh, it looks like greed is about to be killed. Um, yeah. And the only reason he is not killed is because in the nick of time, he is able to harden his neck so it is not cut off by Fear King Bradley. We also yeah. see Salim this- is also in the room. So Salim may have interfered as well. We see his shadow um, kind of go back in. Um, at the I got the impression that he was about to interfere, but didn't didn't ultimately do it because his mom does not know that he's a demon child. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, I liked this um, greed stopping him from losing the fight. I mean, he loses the fight, but stopping him from being killed because uh, you see that it is directly because he has retained the memories from his first time around, or he's recovered those memories. And because of that, he remembers the first time that greed and Bradley fought. And he remembers what Bradley did to overcome his own power. And he's able to use that, that to his advantage to stop him from being killed. Now, Bradley is still super dangerous, so he loses, but he does not die because he remembers what happened last time. And that is a really good touch. Okay. Then we have um, the least important storyline, which is that May is going to go uh, into Central instead of going back to Xing um, because uh, people were nice to her and she wants to make sure that those people are taken care of. Um, It takes forever and it's full of nice people things. Not the most interesting part. Yeah. Um, Nice people are boring. Stories are about conflict. (laughs) Instead, we need to talk about Olive or oh my god, I, oh cannot, my god. I cannot say her name, Olivier, um, who has gone to the Armstrong household <laughs> to see their mom and dad and little sister, and uh-huh. demand that she become the uh, that her father retire as the head of the house and go and do something else, and she is going to become the leader of the house. And Uh he's just like, well, I I was going to give that to Alex. And she was like, well, Alex is a moron and an idiot and also a coward. So what what we're going to do is we're going to fight for it. 
and then begins just a complete ass beating of Alex. Um, he is just being thrown around cartoonishly throughout the house, begging for mercy. Meanwhile, <laughs> um, father Armstrong, mother Armstrong and baby sister Armstrong are just emptying a vault so that they can go and fuck off somewhere. And they're having this like, you know, rich people conversation in the background while yeah. this is happening. And it's just the most cartoony moment of the show. Yeah, um, but it's so it's, good. Yeah. It's, it's also, you can tell that like Olivier and Alex, uh, have had this conflict before. Uh, and Alex is a big soft boy and Olivier is a total hard ass. And so the outcome is not surprising, even kind of, but also like the aloofness of the family is really, it's a really funny bit, but it also makes sense because they're like disaffected rich people. And because they're like, ah, here they go again. <laughs> so they just fucking leave. It's really yep. nice. But also it turns out that that was Olivier's plan all along was basically like, she knew that by calling the question, that she would get her dad to go on a retirement vacation and that that way he wouldn't be in central for all the shit that's about to go down with the immortal army. She just found out about. So it's like really fun and really funny, but also super relevant in this lovely way because full monologamist is very good. Mm -hmm. Um, Blake, tell us what else happens in this episode. Um, Um, because some shit's going to happen with Ed. Well, Ed, uh, Ed is still hanging out with his Chimera buddies now that they've managed to elude the military people uh, pursuing them. He's going to go to a hideout, I believe one that was used by him and Al previously. And he's like, well, maybe if Al is looking for me, he might be there. So I'm going to go there and see if I can find him. And when he gets there, he finds Ling. Because I think this hideout is where they initially fought Envy when it was him and Al and Ling fighting Envy, right? Or him and Ling or something. I think they had a fight with Envy here. This feels... It looks familiar. I might be super wrong about that. But anyway, he goes there. He finds Ling instead. And he knows that Ling is now Greed. And he's like, fuck, Greed's here. And Ling's like, no, it's me. I'm Ling. Uh, but I'm also maybe not going to be Ling for like a super long time. Because uh, Greed and I are basically consciousnesses in conflict over who gets to be driving the car that is my body. And, uh, and so while I have control, this is, it just makes me think of Animorphs so much. I love Animorphs. Anyways, uh, Ling is like, okay, um, here's the deal that I've learned from becoming a homunculus is that father, who's the, the big bad homunculus that used to be a thing in a jar, uh, he wants to open the gate which, uh, unless I'm completely off base, is essentially the gate of truth that uh, both Al and Ed have now seen be- behind and is, I don't know, you know, it's a, it's a big deal. Uh, he wants to open the gate on pro- on the promised day. And so that seems to be why the... When they made the homun- or when they made the philosopher's stones like a long time ago, like when they sacrificed all of Xerxes to make a philosopher's stone, and that's the time when the jar jar became man and became immortal and turned uh, Nal's dad into an immortal person as well. Um, that, that was a whole country. It was a big deal. It's a lot of people. But uh, what we're dealing with this time is is um, a whole different scale. Like Xerxes was a part of this country. 
Um, it would be like if you, it would be like if you took the United States and, you know, one of the states had been wiped from existence early on and everybody was like, that was really fucked up. I miss Kansas, but also there's still 49 of us. And then you found out that there was a big, uh, a big circle being drawn in metaphorical or literal blood around the rest of at least the uh, 47 remaining continental states so that everybody in all of those would also go out. It's kind of like that. Like Xerxes was big, but this is way bigger. And um, it seems like maybe the reason for that scale is because they're not trying to make a philosopher's stone necessarily, but they're trying to like open the gate of truth. And that's not, um, we don't, we don't want that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want that to happen. It's not something that we would like. Anyway, greed is going to come back and get back in the driver's seat after that. And he's like, fuck you guys. You're my enemies. And Ed's like, well, hold on there because it seems like your friends, the homunculi are now your enemies because you got your memories back and you remember that you didn't like them and we don't like them either. So maybe you should work with us. And greed's like, you guys are dumb. You should work for me. Uh, and that is a joke. And Ed is like, that sounds great. And Greed's like, what? And he's like, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think that anything else really happens in these episodes, right? Uh, Al passes on some information to various other prominent characters in the series to tell them that the promised day is going to happen. Because um, basically, basically, Ed gets the information from Lead Ling Greed that Al is going to get from Hohenheim because Hohenheim knows the ship because he has been deeply connected to father for many, many years and has been sort of a party to what's been going on and been investigating it in the background in secret. And Ling found out about it by uh, sort of de facto infiltrating the enemy and then bringing that information back. But essentially Ed and Al have now been given more or less the same information. And then Al is going to take their military network that they've, they've developed through the series, pass that information on to some trusted characters and let them know that the promise day is a big bad deal. We need to stop it. And it's going to happen this spring. So that's, that's kind of where we leave off. All right. Well, with all that being said, stick with us after these credits and we'll tell you what's happening next week. Blake and Spencer get jumped is made by forever summer productions and presented as part of the geekly grind podcast network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash getjumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, owner and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind. 
We interrupt your awesome, regularly scheduled programming to ensure you're aware of the Geekly Grind podcast network, of which this show is a treasured member of. If you haven't had a chance to check out our site, you can do so at thegeeklygrind.com, and while you're there, take a look at the other members of our steadily growing podcast family, including the anime-centric Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, discovering new heroes on comic book keepers with Chris and Lance, exploring the vast universe of geekdom with Geek Exploration, or appreciating animation's finer details with JD's Ink and Paint Club. Escape your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. Next week on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we are watching Mob Psycho 102. Episodes two and three. You guys remember when, like, we all got the internet and every website was like weird, bright colors that didn't quite go together, and lots of like weird graphics, uh, and there were like rainbow clicky buttons. Well, that is going to be our professional website now, too. <laughs> Quality. Quality. <laughs>